The year was about 40 AD, and for the devil, things were not going well at all. Despite his five-column attack, the church in Jerusalem was booming. What's more, his tactic of scattering Jerusalem's believers through persecution had simply backfired and created a whole network of churches across the Judea region and up into Samaria, where there'd been a significant turn into faith to his arch enemy, Jesus Christ. Even an African eunuch had powerfully received the gospel and was immediately baptised and would take his newfound faith to his people in Ethiopia, where history tells us many turned to believe in Jesus. The martyrdom of Stephen the deacon had backfired in Satan's face as a young man's faithfulness in persecution and death prodded the radical Pharisee Saul of Tarsus on towards his own acceptance and faith in the Messiah, Jesus. Only seven years earlier, the 120 unimpressive believers had huddled together like guests at a party that had long since ended. The day of Pentecost had wonderfully launched a new and even greater party, and Satan was still reeling from their spirit-filled artillery on the streets of Jerusalem. He needed to act and act quickly before that unremitting onslaught broke the confines of the Jewish people and went global. Satan's plan was simple. If he could not quench the forest fire of Christianity, he would at least try to limit its spread. So far, it was almost exclusively a Jewish phenomenon, and if he could keep it that way, then all might not be lost. If he could ring-fence the flames of the gospel, he might yet hold on to the souls of the Gentiles, who accounted for most of the world's population. In Peter, he hoped to find the perfect helper. Jesus had entrusted the leadership of the church to a Galilean fisherman who was ill at ease with change. When Jesus had announced that he must die and rise again, Satan had inspired Peter to try and talk him out of it. When Jesus had been transfigured on the mountaintop, Peter had tried to build memorial tents and preserve the experience forever. When Jesus wanted to wash Peter's feet at the Last Supper, he told Jesus, no, you will never ever wash my feet. Peter had a bad habit of saying no to Jesus. In short, Peter was your typical first century Jew, entrenched in tradition and suspicious of change. Left to his own devices, Peter's leadership of the new church would fall easily prey to Satan's plan to limit the gospel within the safe walls of Israel. But the Lord had other plans. He had anticipated Satan's strategy and outflanked him brilliantly. He was about to teach the Jewish church that the gospel knows no limit. Let's see how he does that. God's first steps in Acts 10 was to send an angel to a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Now, Jewish tradition insisted that anyone who entered the house of a Gentile became ceremonially unclean. So we love that God sends his holy angel to a Gentile house to shatter that myth once and for all. Now, Cornelius was a God-fearer, but he was not a Jewish convert. He had not been circumcised into the Jewish faith. Cornelius was also not any old Gentile either. He was a centurion in the occupying army in the pay of Pontius Pilate's successor and working out of the Caesarea barracks where the same troops who probably crucified Jesus were based. For all his passionate devotion to the God of Israel, he was a very unacceptable candidate for salvation. Through the holy angel, God told Cornelius to send for a man named Simon Peter. He was Great. Thank you so much, Sam. I think we are so blessed to have Sam as part of our church family, his gift, his voice into our life as a church, and so grateful for him just kind of setting up where we're at in our Acts series this morning. So I know Sam probably upstairs looking after the live stream. Thank you so much, Sam, for just... Oh, he's here. 
Let's give him a big round of applause, shall we? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. We are, we are so grateful to God for you, Sam. The gift that you bring to us as a church is just precious. I said to Ollie just before the, the, the meeting this morning, I said, Ollie, when I reach 25 minutes, I want you to point at your watch. And I really feel that the Holy Spirit wants to continue to work. He's already been working amongst us. Precious time just praying for one another. But last uh, Sunday, as Clive was sharing, he was sharing about the conversion, a wonderful transformation in Saul's life, in Paul's life. And throughout the morning, I just really felt the Holy Spirit had been prodding me and poking me, just like saying to me, Andy, you've just got a bit calloused. You've just got a bit hard in your heart. And, um, and I just felt like just little attitudes had developed in me over the last weeks. And I just wanted the Holy Spirit to soften me. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes the longer we journey in this Christian walk together, stuff happens. We get hurt, we get affected by situations. And I realized that that had been happening to me. And I came forward not to pray with people last week, but to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I needed to be prayed for because I wanted my heart to be softened. And you know, this morning, I think we are reaching, or I think we've reached a landmark time in the life of this church. And I think I wanna say this prophetically, just as we go into this Acts chapter 10, because it's significant. This is so beautiful what God's doing. Our worship this morning, you know, like it is so many weeks, was so precious to hear the voices of this amazing church bringing worship to Jesus. I was standing there and I was thinking, Lord, this is so lovely. I love being here. I love being a part of this. But I just felt the Holy Spirit you know, saying to us, what he's doing in here mustn't stay here. It mustn't stay here. This is a time for what God is doing by his spirit with us as a church to go outside the four walls of this church into this town. It is the call of God in our lives. And I know we love this and it's precious, but we can't keep this to ourselves. This town needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that is gonna be the main theme of what I'm gonna share this morning. And if, if we've grown hard, if we've just become a little bit, you know, nonchalant about that whole thing, or maybe that just idea of taking this life of Jesus out beyond these four walls terrifies the life out of us. Oh, Holy Spirit, will you soften us today? Holy Spirit, will you put boldness in our hearts today? Holy Spirit, will you do something in us today? that transforms us for the future. Acts chapter 10 and verse seven to 16. Let me just read and I'll interject. We've got a lot, quite a bit of scripture, but I'm just gonna just bring some points out. There's just one or two little points that I want us to learn this morning. And then I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts and prepare us for all that he's got for us. Acts 10 verse seven. When the angel who spoke to him Cornelius had gone. Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants and he told them everything that had happened and he sent them to Joppa. I just want to just stop there for a bit. Just a couple, a few weeks ago, Martin was telling us the story of Jonah, wasn't he? And Jonah went from Joppa 
to Tarshish. And he escaped what God was telling him to do. God wanted to show mercy to the people of Nineveh, to the Gentiles. He wanted to show his mercy and his kindness. And I think it's interesting that the same dropper, as where, this is where Peter is, and this is where Cornelius is telling his servants and this soldier, I want you to go to Peter and he's in Joppa. And it's going to be an interesting thing. Is Peter going to run from the call of God or is he going to run to the call of God? You know, each of us have droppers in our life where we have a moment, an opportunity where God speaks to us and we decide, are we going to run to God's plans or run from them? Often prejudice in our hearts will cause us to run away because we don't believe the people that God's sending us to deserve the mercy of God. We have droppers in our lives. Will we run to them or will we run from them? It was beautiful last week just praying for Keith and Julia Sullivan. They're a couple that have said, yes, Lord. We're not sure why you're sending us or why we're going, we don't know anybody, but we believe that you're calling us to go. And that was a bit of an example of what God's doing with us as a church. Verse nine, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. I know, don't ask me. I've never fallen into a trance. I'm not quite sure what it means, but it just seems like God wanted to get the point across to to Simon Peter. He fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Listen to what Peter says. Surely not, Lord. Oh, we've heard Peter say this before. (laughs) Do you remember when um, Jesus wanted to wash his feet? Peter said, no, you're never going to wash my feet. And and then Jesus said, I'm going to die. And Peter said, no, Lord, you're not going to die. It's funny how the word no and Lord are in the same sentence. They can't be. But how many times do we say that? Surely not, Lord. And I think this is so interesting that Peter in this situation, when, when he's got this vision and the Lord's saying to him, kill and eat, and his first response is, no, Lord. Oh, I pray that my, my, that's not my response. I want to be a yes, Lord person. I want to be yes, Lord, to your purposes. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. Surely not, Lord. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Peter is in the habit of um, saying no to the Lord, and so are we. But I love how the Lord has this amazing plan for Peter on the shores of Galilee. And he said to, 
He said to him, Peter, do you love me? He said it to him three times. Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says that to us, do you love me? And we, and we say, yes, Lord, we do love you. And then the Lord says to us, then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And if you, if you know those verses from John 10, where Jesus is speaking, he's saying, I am the good shepherd. No one is gonna snatch my sheep from my hands. And Jesus goes on to say, but there are sheep from another pen that I wanna bring in. And Jesus was saying, there are people from another, another people the Gentiles, that I want to bring into salvation. And he's saying to Peter, will you feed my sheep? You know, he's saying to us as a church, don't call the things that I have called clean, unclean. And I just want to unpack that just for a little bit because it's not familiar with us because we're talking language here that is familiar to that, you know, the first century Jew. But they were told not to eat things, you know, certain things, kosher uh, and non-kosher food. They weren't allowed to eat non-kosher food. Those things were meant to make them unclean. And then the, the Spirit of God is saying to Peter, don't call anything unclean. What's going on here? There have been prejudices set up in Peter's heart. You know, many of them from, from, from good and godly perspectives, but they were separating him and alienating him from the purpose that God had for his life. And that was to share the good news of Jesus with the Gentiles. And you know what, church, we have prejudices in our hearts, things in us that, you know, the enemy has placed in us over the years. We need our hearts softened to allow the Holy Spirit to say through us, yes, Lord, I want to be open to all that you've got to do through me and to the people that you want me to go to. The Holy Spirit is doing the same with us here at King's Church. The gospel of Jesus Christ that has impacted our lives mustn't stay in this room. It has to go abroad. And one of the things that can so easily prevent it, that from happening is our own personal prejudices of what we feel is clean and unclean. I want to say something quite radical here, but I absolutely believe it's true that salvation has come to everyone. Salvation has come to everyone. There's not one single person on the face of this planet that has not been given salvation through Jesus Christ. The only difference is that some have repented and believed and received salvation into their lives. But how can they believe and receive unless someone tells them? And that is the call of God on us. But yet there's something in us that says, I don't know whether they deserve it. I have... Um, Oh, I hope my neighbour's not listening to this. <laughs> I have a neighbour who, um, who's loud, who came home at one o'clock last night, was a bit drunk, and started smoking outside our, our house. Do I want them to be saved? There's something in me that doesn't want them to be in heaven. I'm struggling with them being in Seaford Road. Oh, I've now I've seen. Yes. 
But you know, every single one of us has people in our lives that we think, I'm not sure whether I want them to be saved. You know, sometimes it's the, the obvious things. Maybe it's, maybe it's cultural prejudices that we have that have been built up in us over years. Maybe it's accents. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Maybe it's the fact that someone's on benefits. Maybe it's someone drives a certain car or behaves in a certain way. But it's so easy for us to build up prejudices and those prejudices start to become a barrier for the gospel. And Jesus is saying to us, don't call unclean that which I have called clean. The gospel is for everyone. Even my neighbours, even those that we would automatically be separate from or somehow we would, we would separate ourselves from, do they deserve mercy and Christ's forgiveness? Let me say this, do I deserve mercy and Christ's forgiveness? None of us do. It's all a gift from God. Listen to what Charles Swindle says in his commentary on Acts chapter 10. Some nurture a secret bigotry against people with certain colours of skin, specific nationalities, different cultures, or even particular accents. Other types of prejudice take some more subtle forms, political affiliations, economic uh, status, marital position, religious background, the presence of tattoos, styles of clothes or hair, Careers, those on benefits or wealthy or even the use of makeup. It's a universal problem. Your prejudice might not be my prejudice, but some form of it tries to grow like weeds in our hearts. Even so, some people do a better job of weeding than others. If Satan can dupe us into ring fencing our faith away from others, he will do and try to prevent the spread of the gospel. In this season for us as a church, the gospel has to leave this place. It has to go out. And we can't allow prejudice in our heart to stop it. Let me carry on reading from Acts chapter 10, verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house were was and they stopped at the gate you know I love it that these Gentiles stopped at the gate they knew that the Jews would not be able to receive them into their house because for a Jew to receive a Gentile into their house they would have become ceremonially unclean and not been able to to go to the temple so these Gentiles stopped at the gate and they called out asking if Simon who was known as Peter was staying there and while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Oh, Holy Spirit, will you speak to us? Will you start to soften our hearts? Spirit said to, to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them Peter went down 
and said to the men, I am the one that you're looking for. Why have you come? You know what? Small steps of obedience in our hearts, in our lives, lead to massive heart change in us. Prejudice doesn't just fall like that overnight. We don't suddenly, all, all of a sudden, have a whopping encounter with Jesus Christ and then everything, all the motivations of our heart want to follow him and serve him and witness for him. It's not how it works. But small acts of obedience, faith to Jesus, soften our heart and make us more Christ-like. I find it interesting that Peter is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner. He tanned animal skins. Good Jews wouldn't associate with tanners. It was one of those unclean things. But the Holy Spirit had already been working in Simon's heart, softening him and preparing him before even the sheet had come down with all the animals and the Spirit saying to him, Simon, don't call unclean that which I've called clean. The Holy Spirit maybe wants to take us up on the roof to pray. I know that most of our roofs are not suitable for praying. But roofs in the Middle East, they were flat and that was that like a patio. It was a place to go. And I think for some of us, the Holy Spirit wants to take us out into our patio or onto a walk or a place where the Holy Spirit can talk to us and start to just give us things to do, little steps that we need to take that bring about heart change in us. That was my prayer last week. I was saying, Lord, I've become callous. Will you soften my heart? Because I've just become a bit, a bit hard to you. If you've watched the repair shop, anyone watch the repair shop? Yeah, I love the repair shop. You know, there's often they've got the specialist leather um, craftswoman. And when leather gets, gets old, it gets dry and it gets brittle and it gets broken. And, and the only way they, they deal with it is that they get this conditioning oil and they rub it in to the, into the leather and the leather becomes softer and it becomes pliable and it becomes movable. Do you know, I'm like that leather, that old leather. And so are so many of us. And we need the Holy Spirit to come and to rub the conditioning oil of the Holy Spirit in us and soften our hearts to break down prejudices within us that prevent the spread of the gospel through us. I tell you what, the gospel is not going to be stopped because Jesus has made a decision that the gospel is going to be preached to the ends of the earth. So it's not going to be stopped. But if you're anything like me, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a, a part of the spreading of this gospel. But I know that the Holy Spirit needs to rub in the conditioning oil in me. I don't want to be an old wineskin trying to receive new wine. I want the new wine of the Holy Spirit and I want to be a new wineskin. And anything in me that prevents that, then I don't want that. And I think that's why I came forward on last Sunday. I said, Lord, please soften, soften my calloused heart. I don't want to be like that. I love the fact that Peter didn't run away from the rooftop. 
He didn't run away from the guests. I, I guess when, they, when he heard that there were three men waiting at the gates, he had no idea they were Gentiles. He had no idea that in his heart there was a prejudice towards them. But when he went down, one of them was a soldier, so I'm presuming that he got the message quickly that this guy was from the Roman army. And there were two servants. But the Lord has softened his heart. Oh, Holy Spirit, will you soften our hearts? Because if we're to do what you've called us to do, how can we do it unless you soften us? Will we go down to the gate? And then Peter does an amazing thing. I just want to carry on reading verse 22. The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house that he would hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into his house. I mean, that is massive. For a first century Jew, that is huge, that Peter invited these Gentiles into his house. Church, there are people that we've got to invite into our house. Clive said it last week. There are people that we wouldn't normally associate with, we wouldn't normally have round, that we're not to leave outside the gate, but to call them in, to bring them in. The Spirit is already at work in us. Holy Spirit, continue to work in us. He requires small steps of obedience to bring about heart change in us. On Wednesday evening, Ollie and, and Wendy, I think, were meeting with the team that are going to Berlin. Nick and Sarah Lepet, I'm not sure whether they're here this morning, but they're going to, to Berlin. Nick and Sarah in their 50s. And you know what Nick said to me after he'd had the meeting with Ollie? He said, I've just become a bit too comfortable, Andy. And I think by going to Berlin, I'm not going with all the answers. I'm not going as the missionary to serve the church in Berlin. I'm going because I need to change. Because I need an adventure in God. And there are people, including me, in this church that need an adventure in God because we've just got a bit safe. It's time for us to have an adventure, you know, and for that whole crew, you know, for Jürgen and Mona and Caleb and Nikki and uh, Wendy and Ollie, and the guys, that, and I think that's, and Clive and Gillian going to Berlin. Oh, Lord God, just stir us for the adventure of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, verse 27. Let me just carry on reading this. So after putting his visitors up for the night, the following morning, he went with them, this is Peter, to Caesarea, to the home of a Roman centurion. Verse 27. Peter went inside, this is Cornelius' house, and found a large gathering of people there. And he said to them, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. 
Salvation has come to everyone. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus Christ. We're not to call anyone unclean. Verse 29. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three o'clock in the afternoon and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And then Peter began to speak. Now I now realise how true it is that God does not show any favouritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Now Peter, Peter goes on to share the gospel and I'm going to read this from verse 36 onwards. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. You know, just one really interesting thing about this story is we're just bringing things into land a bit, is that God sent an angel, a holy angel to Cornelius to tell Cornelius to go and send for Peter in Joppa. I I thought to myself when I was reading that, I wonder why God didn't use the holy angel to preach the gospel to Cornelius. You know the reason why? It's because he's called us to. He called Peter to, because he was doing something as significant in Peter as he was doing in Cornelius. God uses us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. How will they hear 
unless someone tells them? How will someone tell them unless they are sent? We are sent to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, and even our neighbours, or those that we think, I'm not sure whether they're, I want to see them in heaven. I'm not sure where my heart is towards these people, even those God wants to save and fill with his Holy Spirit. He really does. And just verse 47, and Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptised with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I'm going to ask Rich and Gideon to come up onto the platform. We're going to worship just a bit. But I would love us to come into a time where we say, Lord, will you just soften our hearts? If there's, if there's any, any prejudices in us, if there's anything in us, Lord, that would prevent us from believing and being effective witnesses for you, Lord, will you soften our hearts? You know, it says in, in Isaiah 49, just verse six says, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring those back from Israel that I have kept. But I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. You know, church, God has called us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ beyond these four walls, out into the streets of Eastbourne, out into the areas that God is leading to us to as a church. This is a new day. He's called us to open up our doors and have people around our houses, to welcome those that we wouldn't normally receive into our homes, into our living rooms. You know what, this is, not a, this is not about condemnation. It's not about guilt. This is about the work of the Holy Spirit. I really felt that last week. And I think the, the, the Holy Spirit's doing, continuing to do that in me. Lord, soften my heart. We're gonna to stand together now and we're gonna just sing. Just that song, for the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. Soften my heart, Lord God. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place.